When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the latest installment of Hey Horka here on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. My name is Darren Pritchett from our WSBT studios in South Bend, Indiana. We've got Tyler Horka, of course, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. One more game to go than a much earned buy, right? Yeah, I mean, it feels like we just had one. That's the weird thing about this Notre Dame season. We literally just had a bye week. You play two more games, and then you get another bye week. So interesting stuff, but it's kind of just like the last week, uh, the last bye week, Darren, you're going into this one, if you're Notre Dame, with a completely different outlook if you win it as opposed to if you lose it. I mean, Notre Dame could have been 5-3 and three at that first bye week. They beat USC rather handedly. Instead, they're 6-2. and two. They're feeling good about themselves. What happens coming out of the bye week? throttle pit by even more than you throttled USC, which is crazy to get a 51 point victory in any weekend of college football. I don't care who you're playing Pitt, Tennessee state, you know, anybody, it could be anybody Notre Dame won by 51 points. And now here you are playing a, a Clemson team. That's as bad as they've been in the last what, 10 years or, or more. I think this is the most losses that uh, Dabo Sweeney has had since 2010 or 2011, very early in his tenure. So that's the thing. If you're Notre Dame, you got to get this one because you go into your bye week feeling good. You go into your bye week feeling like you can really get to 10 and 2. The great thing about the USC game and also this pit game, we actually have to calculate how many points the offense scored, the defense scored, and special teams. I mean, the Irish are getting contributions from everywhere right now. Yeah, I mean, if you can score, Marcus Freeman said it on Saturday. If you can score in all three phases, odds are you're, you're going to win that football game. And special teams scored twice. If you scored twice on special teams, you can probably manage no touchdowns offensively and beat yeah. a lot of teams. And then Jaden Mickey, obviously, with the pick six. So it's all going well for, for Notre Dame on, on all three phases, in all three phases. And it's funny, Marcus Freeman was quick to kind of hype up the offense in his press conference today where he gets out there and he he said 535 yards and 38 points. Like, don't forget that. He might have read my game story from Saturday night because as much as those numbers were factors in that game, obviously 38 points is a lot. 535 yards is a lot. I came away again, and I think all of the Notre Dame fans and everyone that follows this team came away thinking that this was a defensive-driven game and this was a special teams-driven game. It's honestly surprising that Notre Dame had that many yards offensively to me because I thought if you're going to rank special teams, defense, offense, which of those were more important for Notre Dame in this game, 
I think offense was a, a clear number three to me. Yeah. I don't know about you, Darren. I agree. Yep. Defense, special teams, offense. Defense is spectacular. They are playoff yeah, caliber. Without question. It's been awesome. Yep. It's um I th- what did I say last week about Al Golden? It was something to the effect of each game this season, you're getting more of an appreciation for him because at the beginning of the year, there was so much talk about Jerry Parker, Sam Hartman. This is going to be an offense-driven team. Can the defense catch up? And it's completely opposite. And you have to give credit to Al Golden for being the driver of that, the catalyst of that, the schemes that he's coming out with. I mean, his blitz schemes are awesome. And he's just getting the most out of these guys in a way that maybe the Irish aren't on the other side of the ball. We talked a lot about that last week, maybe maybe less about that this week, but it's it's still kind of the same narrative for me, not getting enough out of the offense. Al was at the Super Bowl, had to kind of jam everything in before spring practice started. They pushed spring practice back a little bit. And now these guys, second year in the system, they're not thinking, they're just reacting. They're playing fast, Tyler. They look fast yeah. out there on the football field and, I gave him full credit, and when you invest in a veteran-type guy, this is what you're looking for, and this is what you should expect. Al Golan has been worth every penny Notre Dame paid him in his original contract. Yeah, and I I get the sense now that there were a couple shows ago, and I think I mentioned this in multiple shows, where if I were Al Golden and you mentioned – being at the Super Bowl, like there, there are so many NFL staffs out there who would love to have Al Golden as whatever a, a linebacker coach, uh, you know, fill in the blank with X position. And there are a lot of teams out there. Maybe you're wearing the, the gear of one that would say, Hey, yeah, we'd love to have an Al Golden on our staff. A lot of teams, but now from Al Golden, I don't know if I listened to that chatter as much as I did three, four weeks ago, because if the offense does get fixed here at Notre Dame and he does remain the defensive coordinator here for two more years, three more years, four more years, whatever it is, there might be a window here for Notre Dame. Get the quarterback right, get the offensive coordinator right, get some wide receivers in here. If he can keep doing this with every Notre Dame defense that he coaches, I think a window is opening up here for Notre Dame, especially in a 12-team playoff, to be – one of the better teams in the country to be a team that can legitimately compete for a national title. Every Everything you said is valid. It comes down to what Al Golden wants to do next. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, simple. I don't think it's just adding zeros to his contract. It's no. truly, does he want to be a head coach? Does he want to be in the NFL? I think he's going to have a lot of options, unfortunately. Good yeah. for him, but unfortunate yeah. for the Notre Dame fan base. All right, Caldera Lab has been doing great things for you. In fact, your skin is as flawless as the Notre Dame defense. <laughs> oh, I, I wish. I don't think so. But uh, fall is here, gentlemen, and it's about to get busy during the holidays. Don't let that stop you from sticking to your habits and being the best version of yourself. That's where our friends at Caldera Lab come in. These guys are the best in the skincare game. And with an easy routine, keep your face looking pretty no matter your schedule. Plus, what's better than the gift of clear skin? Join the other 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best self and first impression in this fall. Plus, it's a great gift. Speaking of gifts and the holidays, you can go to calderalab.com and use the code BGI23 for 20% off of your order. 
again, I've been tell, telling everybody who watches this all season, you show up to a tailgate, and it's crazy, Darren, that there's only one more opportunity to do that at Notre Dame this season. But if you show up to the Wake Forest tailgate for the senior day game on November 18th, I believe that is, uh, if, if you buy this stuff right now and use it for three weeks, I guarantee you somebody's going to notice a difference. And it's because of a three-step regimen. The clean state starts and ends your day. The face wash leaves your skin feeling all types of refresh. The, the base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. The good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin looking helps keep your skin looking tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. We're all trying to get rid of those. I don't care if you're 28, like me, Darren, you don't have to say your age. None of you, none of you out there have to say your age, but um, anybody can use this. Anybody can reap the rewards of using this. 94% of men skin showed overall younger looking appearance after just a few weeks of use. So again, a few weeks, that's the Wake Forest game for Notre Dame. Crazy that there's only one more home game left. I was talking to a member of the beat today that this season has just absolutely flown by uh we're, we're gonna be what three-fourths of the way through once this Clem this clemson game is done so just a few more weeks to get your caldera lab folks show up to that wake forest game looking good how much left of your special treat do you have from your trip to dublin i have a lot of that left okay let's talk about that extreme. Yeah, we're talking about um, a special bottle of Jameson whiskey that I got. Irish exclusive. You can only get it over there. It's the triple triple. Uh, very good. In the first week or two weeks of having it, I drank it. Um, maybe the, the Cowboys won on my birthday. They beat the Giants. That was September 10th. And then there was another reason why I used it in September. And I was like, holy cow, I'm really blowing through this thing. Then I didn't use it for a month. And if you saw me last week with what I was wearing, you can guess what I drank it for. When the Texas Rangers beat the Houston Astros in the ALCS game seven, I had a little glass uh, a week ago today. That was Monday night. Talk about time flying. That was a week ago. Baseball postseason is crazy because now the Rangers are in a 1-1 series. I'll be watching intently tonight, hoping to get that upper hand. But yeah, I, I have a lot of that special treat left. And if the Rangers do pull it out in the World Series, you can... Guarantee that'll be the next class. All right. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Very good. Well, it's time to get to some of your questions in our Hey Horka segment here on the Blue and Gold Illustrated uh, YouTube channel. Let's start things off with JP Irish 58 And he wants to know, hey, Horka, this is Clemson Super Bowl. Notre Dame will get the Tigers' best shot. Your thoughts? I totally agree. And I think, let me put it this way, Darren. Earlier in the year when Clemson was losing these games and I got their schedule pulled up, uh, when they lost to Duke on Labor Day weekend, it was fun for Notre Dame fans to be like, ha ah, Clemson loses. Because right there is a little bit of this rivalry element that's brewed in the last, what, five years, I guess. Definitely going back to 2020 when they played twice. There was a we got you, you, you got us element to it. 
Uh, and then last year when Notre Dame just kind of kicked the crap out of Clemson, I think that invigorated some Notre Dame fans, made some Clemson fans angry. So I will say that Notre Dame and Clemson are at the point where they look at Notre Dame's schedule and root for Notre Dame to lose, and then Notre Dame's looking at Clemson's schedule and say, hey, I hope you lose all your games as well. That's that's where these two teams are at um, when they're talking about each other. So when you lose to Duke and then you lose to Florida State in overtime, definitely that Miami, I think that was double overtime, where Clemson just looked really bad in that one. And then last week, it's ha-ha-ha. But now that the week is finally here, I think some Notre Dame fans have started to say, like, what if we lose to Clemson? Or what if they have their best game of the year and, and the Tigers, who are this poor versions of themselves, not even really a version of themselves, like th this does not look like the Clemson that we know. What if Notre Dame loses to that? I think there's some fear. Halloween week, you know, there's some fear that has started to creep into Notre Dame's minds because you're at a point if you're Notre Dame where you can't lose to this Clemson team. But if you're Clemson and you look at how close you've been in all of these games outside of the Duke game, they're all a one-score game. If you're Clemson, you're thinking at home, on our best day, we can get these guys. Do you think that's where the game is at, Darren? It's, it's like Notre Dame can't – it doesn't want to lose to Clemson and it shouldn't lose to Clemson, but on a bad day it can. And that would be like the worst-case scenario for the rest of this season would be losing to this Clemson team. Well, based on the point spread, it seems like a coin flip game, if you believe Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Their defense is still pretty doggone good. You feel like yep. if they play their A game, they could help Clemson steal this game. Offensively, based on the way Notre Dame is playing defensively, I can't imagine Clemson's offense stealing this game. Now, Will Shipley, to me, is kind of the heart and soul of that Clemson football team, the running back that Notre Dame did everything they could to try to get his services. And he's in concussion protocol. So we don't know necessarily what his status is going to be for Saturday's game. So do I look at this Clemson Super Bowl? I can't say this is Clemson Super Bowl. That'd be like saying Notre Dame's four and four and they're going to play their Super Bowl. You know what I mean? There wouldn't be a game that would classify that. I mean, Clemson in the last 10 years have won national titles nonstop to the playoffs. So I can't imagine they're looking at this as their Super Bowl. So I can't relate to what the question is asking for because I don't think it's their yeah. Super Bowl. They're just trying to salvage their season. They're just trying to win a football game. And by golly, I guess at this point, they're just trying to get bowl eligible. So would they love to beat Notre Dame? Gosh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I guess the revenge thing's always in play. But as good as Clemson has been, I think it'd be disrespectful to say that this is their Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't. The Super Bowl thing, I just kind of blew off. And I skipped more toward the yeah. Notre Dame will get the Tigers' best shot. Because I, I completely yeah. agree with that. I think Dabo Sweeney, is, he probably hasn't slept in – weeks just because he knows they're close I mean when I say close they're close to winning games they're not national title close this this Clemson team isn't Deshaun Watson's Clemson or Trevor Lawrence's Clemson and, and I say that and it's not really the quarterback that's the issue Marcus Freeman spoke about Cade Klubnik at his press conference today and 
I mean, Klubnik's numbers are decent. He's thrown for almost 2,000 yards in eight games, 13 touchdowns, five picks. There is a uh, – I don't want to call it the it factor because I don't want to be cliche, but there is an element of him not being there yet. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. These are his first starts. It takes some guys – not everyone can be Bryce Young, come in and, you know, immediately – be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to say Kate Klopnik's ever going to be that, but I do think I see a quarterback who has potential to be better than he is right now. And right now he's not even that bad. So Will Shipley is obviously the cog. I mean, 112 carries, 515 yards, three touchdowns, but they have a guy, uh, Phil Maffa, who's averaging more yards per carry than Will Shipley. He has more touchdowns, twice as many touchdowns as Will Shipley. So even without Will Shipley, I think Clemson can run the ball a little bit. And if Cade Klubnik has a good day, they can move the ball. For them, the issue has been once they get into the red zone. I need to get those numbers in front of me because they're one of the worst red zone teams in the country, or got to be, just eye test-wise. Darren, it seems like every time they get down there, they can't finish. And as bad as this Notre Dame offense has been, if you're not finishing drives against this Notre Dame defense, you're probably not going to win a football game because you're not going to score 75-yard chunk plays against this Notre Dame defense either. Just doing some quick early research from the Clemson media, I get the sense they feel like that Clemson's offense does not have an identity at this yeah. point, that the wide receiver position lacks quality, and maybe even quantity at this point. There's a lot of discussion about Dabo not going into the transfer portal to fix some of these potholes on the roster, and he's paying the price right now. And it's funny because you look at the line, and I referenced it a moment ago, you know, at one point Clemson was favored by two. I think it's flipped the other way now. Notre Dame's the favorite. This just seems like the classic, and we had the same conversation It's Ohio State. Notre Dame never seems to win these type of games and you expect Clemson at home to play their best game. I personally would be disappointed if Notre Dame does not win this football game. And I would hope they wouldn't have to sweat it out. If they have to sweat it out, that's a sign the offense is having a rough day because I just fully expect Al Golden's defense to do a tremendous job against this offense. There's no reason why Clemson should get into the twenties against this Notre Dame defense and if the offense can get into the 20s, well, nowadays we got to talk about special teams, defense, and offense contributing, <laughs> you know, points. If Notre Dame gets into the 20s, at the very least, I have a hard time believing Clemson's going to win this football game. Yeah. Thanks to uh, Steven for sending in a comment. He says, stop overthinking this. He's telling me I'm overthinking this. They're 4-4, four and four and Notre Dame is prime. Clemson, Stanford, and Clemson and Wake, if we, the Irish, lose, any of those don't deserve to go to the next level bowl game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 10 or 2 or bust for Notre Dame right now. I totally agree with that. But I'm going to throw this out there. I think, and I haven't looked at the over-under for this game, and it probably agrees with me, this has a potential to be a Duke-like game to me, and that's scary for Notre Dame fans because Notre Dame was – two minutes away from losing to Duke or a fourth down, you know, fourth and 16, Sam Hartman scrambles away from losing to Duke. Audrick Estime doesn't rumble off that long run and you're a Spencer Schrader kick that, you know, you 
that game hangs in the balance of Spencer Schrader's foot. Nobody wanted to see that at that time. He's come around a little bit, but Darren, am I crazy for thinking that on the road for the first time since Notre Dame was, and I asked Marcus Freeman this at his press conference today. I said, what did you learn? What did you learn about that Louisville game and why things went so poorly there? Because you come home for two games and you look phenomenal just in terms of overall operation at Louisville. We talked so much about how Notre Dame's defense has looked so good. It was good, not great at Louisville. I mean, it, I, I contend that it gave Notre Dame a chance to win that game, but ultimately you had that running back who whose name already escapes me, Jawar Jordan, I believe it is. He runs all over you defensively, and you lose that game in part because of that, and in large part because of the three three interceptions from Sam Hartman. But you didn't look good there. And a week before that, offensively, you didn't look good at Duke. Darren, am I crazy to think that this Clemson team can kind of give Notre Dame some fits in the same way that Duke did? I think that is fair. I don't think you're crazy. I think based on the fact that Marcus Freeman admitted his football team was not prepared properly for Louisville, that could pop up again. There's no guarantee that that would not happen again. In a tight ball game, I'm still very concerned about game management. The end of the first half of the Pittsburgh game is – Head-scratching, the way that was handled, costing yep. Notre Dame a chance to score a touchdown. We had head-scratching game decisions made at Louisville. I mean, on down the line. I, there's just a lot of things that have popped up that in a big game, if the wrong decision is made, could flip the script on the outcome of a contest. So do I expect Notre Dame to lose this game? No. Can I play along with your theory and say it's possible? Yes, sir. Yes, I can. But I would yeah, be surprised. that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's where I'm at with this game is Notre Dame should win. And if I was an odds maker, I'd probably lean closer to a, to a touchdown. Not Yeah, give me the numbers here again. It's a field goal, and then what's the over-under, Darren? DraftKings Sportsbook has it at minus two and a half Notre Dame at a buck 12, and the over-under is at 45. With the under being the favorite at minus one twelve, the overs at minus one oh eight. Okay. I would probably go closer to the five to seven range. I think that's where Notre Dame should be favored. Honestly, if you're just looking at who these two teams are, two and a half seems like a pretty small line. And then the over under, I'd probably go under. I really think that this could be similar to the Duke game. Notre Dame ends up winning by exactly a touchdown, seven points. So you would cover my five, five and a half, which I think it should be. And then you'd be under because that was uh, 35 points in that game, I believe. Uh, 21 to 14 was the final in the Duke game. I don't know. I just, I just, this game gives me Duke vibes, which is scary because if I go back to where I was sitting in the press box in Durham that night, Holy cow, Darren, that was that was a very bad night for the Notre Dame offense. It was almost as bad as it gets this year, I want to say, because, I mean, Ohio State, they moved the ball a little bit. There were stretches of that Duke game where they couldn't move the ball at all. And if that's the case against Clemson, Clemson might only need three touchdowns to win this game. I'm, I don't know. But, hey, we're – 
I'm minimizing the uh, the great equalizer here. I'm, I'm totally leaving that out, which I shouldn't because we started our conversation today with it. The defense and the special teams, man, they, they might score for Notre Dame in this game. And that might be it. If, if Clemson gives up a defense or a special teams touchdown, they don't have the offense to, to stay in that game. I know Drew just asking a question about the line. I can help a little bit by saying when this game first came out at DraftKings Sportsbook last week, it was Notre Dame plus two. Yeah. Then the Clemson NC State game happened and Notre Dame blows out Pitt. It's gone the other way. I don't know if it got to three and a half. I'll take his word on that, but it's two and a half right now. So the favorite has flipped since I guess it was about Wednesday or Thursday of last week when Notre Dame at that time was plus two. So if you got plus two, congratulations. Yeah. You're, in, you're in pretty good shape going into this ballgame. I think you could you could have gotten Notre Dame at plus money even as late as like Friday or Saturday morning. I saw some tweets out there. So, yeah, you're, um, you're not in luck now because what happened last week has totally shifted the narrative of this game. And, and – the, maybe the last thing that we say on all of this on, on the Clemson talk is that, that kind of scares me even, Darren, that like you're getting Clemson at a spot where it just it, it can't lose. If you're Dabo Sweeney and you're a national championship head coach and everything that's happened this year has happened to you, you're pouring everything into this game. This is it. This is make or break for the season. And, and I won't say Super Bowl because I kind of agree with you on that. He's coached in college football level Super Bowls, this ain't it. But here's the flip side of that, Darren. He hasn't coached in a season like this before in a long, long time. So I think even he is smart enough to realize like, hey, this is bad, bad right now. But if I get this win and then I beat Georgia Tech and maybe I get North Carolina, which for Clemson, those are going to be two very tough games. I don't know if you watched the game that they played late Saturday night. Those two, those two teams score a lot of points. And Clemson does not want to get into a shootout with those guys. So Notre Dame does not score a lot of points offensively. I think I think Dabo Sweeney is looking at this game like I need this one. And that scares me a little bit if I'm a Notre Dame fan. Two things. NC State with their new quarterback put up 24 against mm -hmm. that defense. That probably makes you feel a little better. And let me leave yeah. you with this question. Do you believe in this Notre Dame football team? Are you a believer? I mean, you feel like this team is for real now. It's the Louisville thing happened. They've gotten better. They've grown. And the reason why I ask that, because if you believe in this football team, then I think that might get rid of a little bit of the doubt about this particular game. You know what I mean? Yeah, but here's my answer. I don't know if I fully believe in these the guys. Offense. So maybe it's the offense. Yeah. yeah. It, I've been to every single one of these games this year, Darren, and – so that's a lot of memory bank to draw from. And I keep going back to watching what I watched in the Durham press box and, and for sure watching what I watched at Louisville. It was, I mean, everybody was there. Everybody from all the beats, everyone that's watching this video right now consumes every bit of Notre Dame info that's out there. I, I know that. I, I know these other guys that, that you hear from. And we were all saying the same thing. It was, oh, no, this is bad. You know, this is really bad. And the offense hasn't quite recovered from it. Honestly, not totally. It has not totally recovered. Credit to Al Golden where credit is due and Xavier Watts and everybody else on this Notre Dame defense who has just 
absolutely crushed it the last two weeks. There have been teams with really good defenses, Darren, that finish with more losses than you think they should because you just can't – if you're Xavier Watts, you can't pick off two passes every week. You can't do it. it I don't know if DraftKings has a uh, over-under for Xavier Watts interceptions, but if it was 1.5, I'm sorry, Xavier, you're a baller. You're a dude, but I'm going under on the 1.5. You just can't do it every single week. So that's why if it doesn't happen to the extent that it's happened the last two weeks, I think Notre Dame could find itself in a dogfight on Saturday. I really do. With Morrison out and Hart banged up, you feel pretty good about the corner position moving yeah. forward. I mean, they they, they showed up. They actually are healthy. I, that, there's another thing that you know coaches can say one thing and and something else can be true. The Morrison thing was a complete surprise, and then losing Hart in the middle of that game, I was like, this better not be long term because because those are your you know those are two solid foundations for what this defense has looked like the last couple of weeks. Hart went to the locker room, whatever it was. He was in there for a bit and came out. So hope for the best for this week. All right, let's move along to a, a couple of thoughts on a Notre Dame area tradition. That is stopping by Augie's before or after a Notre Dame football game. Yes, sir. And I just mentioned a few minutes ago that there's only one more Notre Dame home game left. So that might be your last opportunity to get to Augie's locker room unless – you're coming out to uh, Compton Family Ice Arena, where Darren will be all winter to see a hockey game. Go to Augie's locker room then. Uh, it's football season now, but again, like I said, hockey season coming into full swing. Basketball seasons start in the next week. There's an exhibition tonight for the women. There's an exhibition on Wednesday for the men. So when you come to town for any of these things, you've got to make time for Augie's locker room. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame Stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, and one-of-a-kind Rockney items. You can find exclusive Joe Montana-signed items and famous sculptor Jerry McKenna's replicas of the bronze statues around the stadium. Augie gets new items all the time. If he doesn't have it in his store, he will find it for you. Visit Augie at 1811 South Bend Avenue and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. He's got amazing items. You want to see them. Visit AugieLockerRoom.com if you're watching the YouTube. That's what you'll find when you go there. Or call 574-277-6363. He's Love Tyler Hartman from Blue and Gold Illustrated. I'm Darren Pritchett from WSBT Radio. This is the post-Pittsburgh Hey Horka here on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Our next question comes from Slevmania. And this is more of big picture. Rank Notre Dame's top five transfer portal needs this offseason. I really liked this question. I know it's it's when I was answering it, it was I was thinking, man, this would be a really good one for like November 30th as opposed to October 30th. But hey, Darren, we live in the era of the transfer portal and the transfer portal stops for nobody. So let me get back to what I wrote earlier at blueandgold.com where I, I listed out the hierarchy and I actually did about a paragraph on all of these. Uh, you you want to do it? Do you have a a top five, Darren? I've got a, a, a list. I feel good you about can, you the can... first three, and then the, the last okay. two probably need to see the season play out a little bit. Okay. Well, you can do a um, – we could do it like we do on the uh, pregame show. Sure. And we okay. could go five, five, four, four. You want to do that? Sure. You're starting out with the two that you're least, com most, least comfortable in, though, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, you can convince me I'm... otherwise. Okay. At number five – I'm going defensive end. 
And that could be strong side, or honestly, it could be Viper. Because let's look at those two areas in both. If you can get both, then that would be amazing. But strong side, you're losing Javante Jean-Baptiste. And I think he's been phenomenal in his one-year rental season. If you could get that same type of guy, it's kind of exhausting to have to do it over and over and over again. But, I mean, if that's if that's the lay of the land these days and that's the way you got to build a roster, and, and if you can get a JJB-type player every single time, you do it because he's been really good. At Viper, I think you need some experience and you need some depth because Jordan Botello just hasn't quite been it this year for me. And I think Joshua Burnham and Junior Tui Halamaka, especially Joshua Burnham, could be better in an increased role, but he hasn't gotten it because you have Botello. And then Bubakar Traore comes in, and all of a sudden you have four guys, and it's like, which one is it? You don't know which one it is. If you can go to the portal and pluck one and you and you know, yeah, he he's the guy that's going to get me 10 sacks, then I think you got to do it. Because as good as this defense has been for Notre Dame, Darren, could you imagine if they had a 10, 11, 12 sack guy to just bring it all together? They don't have that this year. It's the one thing that this defense is missing. If they had a guy that scared the living daylights out of offensive coordinators because he could get to the quarterback every play or, or every game at least just one time, their defense would be completely different. Go, go get you a guy like that from the portal. Okay. Well, I have strong side defensive end as my number five, and I didn't okay. go both defensive ends because I might mention the other one a little later on the list. Okay. So I did have strong side defensive end as my number five. I mean, they hit the jackpot with Baptiste. That was great work by Freeman, Golden, and Washington. So just imagining this defense without him, you're hoping some other guys would step up. So, yeah, I think you can never have enough depth along the offensive and defensive lines. So I started my list with strong side defensive end. All right, there we go. It feels like the radio show. It feels like deja vu where me and Eric are just copying off of each other. But if you're watching this – (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, if you're watching this or if you're listening to this, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, we are ranking Notre Dame's top five portal needs right now going into the next offseason. Darren says number five, strong side defensive end. I say number five, defensive end as well. My number four, and Drew is going to not like this. I'll put his comment on the screen. I have wide receiver all the way down at number four. Me too. It- Okay, it's in it's in the top five, um, but I think you have some pieces that you can develop here if you're Notre Dame. I think the next recruiting class coming in is going to be really good, and we saw Notre Dame tried to get a transfer portal wide receiver last year. It, it I mean, it worked, and then it didn't work with Caleb Williams. Uh, Caleb, I always say Caleb Williams. It's Caleb Smith coming in from uh, Virginia Tech. He was here, then he wasn't. So this one for me, it's important. That's why it's in my top five, but. It's not a top three importance for me just because at a place like Notre Dame, I don't think you're building your wide receiver core out of transfer portal guys. Right. So that's why it lands at number four for me. Yeah. I just feel like if you can get a splash wide receiver in particular, Tyler, I like to see a little more explosiveness at the boundary wide receiver spot. I mean, Flores, I think is going to be a really, really good player. You know, he's at the field. If Tyree returns, You've got, I think, a lot of good options in the slot, but I'd love to see a little more playmaking ability 
at the boundary. Right now you got Thomas and Great House is kind of filling in as the number two. So if I could be extra nitty picky, I would say if you can find a splash boundary, I would be intrigued by that. Yeah. And that's the thing about doing these rankings. Like if you could get a guy that and, and you told me beforehand that came in and I knew that you were going to get 40 to 50 catches for 800 yards and six or seven touchdowns, I would say, yep, that's my number one. But you just can't guarantee that out of the portal if you're Notre Dame. So that's why I say, yeah, it deserves to be in the top five, but I can't put it at my number one because I I, I don't trust Notre Dame to for sure go and get that guy. So you got defensive end at number five. I've got defensive end at number five. I've got wide receiver at number four. You've got wide receiver at number four. Maybe we'll start differing We will number here. three. Okay. Maybe. We, I don't know. I don't know. I've got quarterback all the way down at number three for me. And you probably have it at number one. So maybe that's where we differ. Um, I think, look, with the 12-team playoff and the schedule next season, I honestly think a Steve Angeli, a Kenny Minchie, or a CJ Carr can lead Notre Dame to 10 wins in a playoff. I, re- I really think that they could get in at 10-2 and two next year with any one of those three guys. But – if you go find me the guy that goes 11 and one or maybe even 12 and oh, and he's out there and you know, for sure, like your team's going to be better. If you have that guy, Sam Hartman, um, you know, I, I haven't really dove into who I think might be out there in this next cycle, but there's going to be some guys. If you go get that guy, bring him in, let him start, let these other guys develop a little bit more. So I'm not as Holy cow. Notre Dame is screwed at quarterback next year. If they don't get a portal guy as some other people are, but I am in the boat of, hey, if you can get a guy that's better, do it. Okay. Well, they are in a better situation next year than going into this year. If you don't get Sam yeah. Hartman, who knows where we'd be right now. Yep. My, my number three is pass rusher. And I know it's very difficult to pick up. It's very difficult to find. But Al Golden has put together an elite defense without a true knock-your-socks-off pass rusher coming off the edge. He has used blitz packages to get the job done. But he hasn't had that one guy he can count on where you can send four and get to the quarterback consistently. So, again, this is probably a pipe dream. These guys are hard to find because the best pass rushers don't stick around college football. There's a lot of money to be made in the National Football League. So I'm not sure what you can get, but I like what I'm seeing in Burnham. I think Burnham's got a chance to be a difference-making type player. But again, never hurts to have enough depth at that particular spot. So again, probably not going to get the guy you'd want. I mean, a a big-time guy that's going to get 10, 11 sacks. But if you can give me a guy that can be in the rotation and put some pressure on the quarterback, I'd be highly interested. I like that. And that's kind of why I guess I cheated a little bit when I lumped in and that just said defensive end. But if I had to choose between the two, I don't know. You're going to lose Nana Osafo Mensa most likely. He actually has another year of eligibility. If you lose both Nana and JJB, I think strong side might be more important to me just because I, I do kind of believe in Josh Burnham and Bubakar Traore. I believe in them. Um, maybe like, but they're not proven, but, you make good point there and when you say go get the guy that you know can get to the quarterback because we've seen flashes from Josh, we've seen flashes from Bubakar, but 
Are they the 10 sack guy? I'm not sure. If there is a 10 sack guy out there and Notre Dame can get him, gimme, gimme, for sure. (laughs) Exactly. All right, so we're ranking transfer portal needs for Notre Dame. I have – I'll give the three that I have so far. Defensive end, strong side, or Viper, wide receiver, quarterback, Darren, you have – Strong side, defensive end, five, then wide receiver, then pass rusher. All right, we're moving on to number two for both of us. And this is, again, I'm cheating a little bit because I'm not sure which one it's going to be, but you either need a primetime safety or a big-time nickel because I think Xavier Watts is playing his way into NFL draft consideration. It'd be awesome to have him for one more year because I think he could do what he's doing the last two games for an entire season. Like he's finally truly comfortable at safety after the wide receiver thing. And then, you know, all of the position swaps that he's done, he's arrived. This is who Xavier Watts is. We hyped this guy like crazy at the safety position. Um, Kind of first when he transferred from over from wide receiver. And then just after seeing him in a fall camp or spring ball, whatever it was, like we all thought that this could be Xavier Watts and now it's finally him. So if he's still around, Notre Dame is in business, but if he leaves and you know that you're losing Thomas Harper, who is all, those two guys have been surefire starters every single game for Notre Dame this season on the back end. We talk about Kim Hart, Benjamin Morrison. Those two guys have been equally as important to me. So if you lose both of them, you got to make sure that you replace at least one of those positions with a guy of need. It, it's probably gonna, you're going to have to fill one of those spots just with who you recruited and who you've developed but this would be three years in a row that Notre Dame goes and gets a guy that starts on the back end every single game through the portal. It was Brandon Joseph in 2022. It's Thomas Harper outside of the one game that he missed. I think it was a concussion in 2023. I have no doubt in my mind that Notre Dame is going to go and get a graduate defensive back, whether it be a safety or a nickel guy. I think that's a great choice. Safety just missed my list. It was one of the ones I eliminated. I think Nichols a really good thought as well. Now, yeah. my number two, you're going to fight me on. Okay. And I got to be honest with you. If I knew more about what is for down the roster at this position, and I knew they'd be okay, I'd cross it off, we'd move on. But I've got left tackle. Because you're going to lose Joe Alt. Now, Wagner, I'm on, from what I understand, high upside. From people that I respect that really get into the, the nuts and bolts of offensive line play, they told me last weekend Blake Fisher should not think about moving to left tackle. He's more of a right tackle. So if we're going to play that game, if Fisher is going to be Notre Dame's right tackle next year, are we confident – and the depth pieces at left tackle to protect the backside of your brand new quarterback. Left tackle is one of the most important pieces on any football team. And if you go with a guy on the roster, it's going to be a newbie. And if you feel good about him, again, Tyler, scratch off this off the list. But I don't have a good feel right now. And just knowing the importance of that position, if you can add a depth piece or even a starter at that spot, it's something I'd at least take a look at. And again, if a guy like Wagner's the guy and he's going to start and be dominant, great. But I don't know that right now. So knowing the importance of the tackle, I threw that on the list. Offensive tackle is my number one. 
on this list. Okay. So we, we do agree. Well, you're yell at me. I didn't. I did. <laughs> no, love it. I didn't get as specific as left tackle because, and I and I know there a lot of people would disagree with this. It, it's funny. Let me, let me do this spiel really quickly. People have been a little hard on Blake Fisher's performance, and that's fine. I don't think he's been as elite as he was touted to be as a recruit coming in. It also hurts him to be compared to Joe Alt, who is just all world at left tackle. Joe Alt's just better player than literally anyone in the in the country at that position right now. So those are a couple of things that hurt, hurt Blake Fisher. But it's funny, the same people who are like, yeah, Blake Fisher's not, you know, can't go to the league. They're the same ones who are just like, come back, come back, please play for us. So it's like, which is it? Blake Fisher isn't good enough to be in the NFL or, you know, you, you desperately want this guy playing right tackle for you. So that's interesting for me. Another interesting thing for me is I agree that Emil Wagner is the next tackle at Notre Dame. Like once these two guys are gone for sure, Wagner's going to be the guy that everyone looks to probably at left tackle. But to me, then, why has he been playing right tackle when Notre Dame does get into garbage time situations? I, th- I think you should start grooming that guy to be your left tackle right now because bless Tosh Baker, but he's not the answer next year. If Notre Dame has to start Tosh Baker at tackle, either side, not good news for the Fighting Irish, if you ask me. Just based on what I've watched, what I know, what I've seen, I don't think he can be a 12-game starter for you at tackle. So that's why my number one is just just get a tackle, man. Get, get somebody who's played football at that position. Hopefully it's not a Kane Madden situation. I know he was a guard, but he was an offensive lineman that was an All-American that Notre Dame brought in, and it just, it just didn't work. So you're always rolling the dice a little bit when you bring in an offensive lineman to a place like Notre Dame. An offensive lineman in general, I think, Darren, is one of the hardest positions to go from one team and then immediately plop onto another and say, yeah, you're supposed to be the guy for 12 games. You've never been here in your life. That's tough. But I 100% agree with you. Knowing what Notre Dame has or doesn't have at that position, once Joe Alt is gone and maybe even Blake Fisher might be gone, oh, yeah. If, if those two guys are both gone, Notre Dame needs a tackle for sure because I, I like Wagner. I don't think he's ready. I don't think Tosh Baker is ever the guy that you want to start there. And then who is it? Charles Jagasaw, like Sullivan Absher. Those guys, if if Emil Wagner's not ready, those guys aren't ready either. So, I, Darren, you nailed it, man. It, the team needs a tackle next year. 2025, you hope it's Kirby Lambert maybe too. Mm-hmm. Further yeah. down the line. But next year, yeah. feels like tackle could be a, a needy spot. So, so run, run down your five again, Darren. Run down your five oh, and I'll go down mine. Five, I have strong side defensive end. Four, wide receiver, if I can be picky, boundary. Number three, a pass rusher. Two, left tackle. My number one, an elite quarterback. I don't want to just take a quarterback to take a quarterback. I don't want to take – I'm just using a name out of midair – JT Daniels, who went to Rice after all of his stops. I don't want that type of guy. Yeah, yeah, slowest. If you played for you, Texas, Texas got after him. It, I, I watched uh, some of those extended highlights, Texas, BYU. Well, long day, long day for Keaton Slopes. Yes, no doubt. But if you can bring in an elite quarterback, I got to do it, Tyler. I got to do it. Yeah. And it is no disrespect to Steve Angeli, Minchie, Carr. 
I just feel like you might need one more bridge year of bringing in a really good quarterback. And Tyler, in 2025, I would be extremely disappointed and frustrated if you'd have to do that. It feels like 25 is when you have numerous candidates in-house already to become the quarterback that takes you to the playoff on down the line. Yeah. Let me Could just you imagine. Talk. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say this really quickly. Keep that thought. Keep that thought. If Steve Angeli stays. Could you imagine Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, CJ Carr, Deuce Knight? There, there's a world where Deuce Knight and, and all, all those three other guys are good. Deuce Knight might start, which if he does, he beats out three really good guys. I think everything for the quarterback room is building toward that 2025 season. Like those, that that could be a, a special group of guys if they're all there. And even if Steve Angeli leaves and you have an older Minchie and a, a Carr who's in his second year, that could be a really good quarterback group. The the one that Notre Dame finally sticks with and doesn't go portal for. Your thought? Yeah, I don't remember who said this on our our pregame show here on WSBT Radio on Saturday, but we got into this conversation. The fact is, if you bring in a quarterback this offseason, you're going to lose one, probably for sure that you have in house already. Maybe two. I doubt two, but you're probably going to lose one. And I I am not speaking for this player. I'm using this as an example. If Notre Dame brings in a quarterback that is capable of being the starter and taking this offense to another level, maybe the quarterback from Tulane, maybe from Washington State, just a couple of examples. If Steve Angeli has a chance to go somewhere, and if he wants to go somewhere, UConn, Rutgers, pick your favorite spot, good for him. Good for him. I hope he becomes a starter. If he stays, even better for this football team. But there's no doubt, and I see Fred's comments there, yeah, you're probably going to lose someone. I doubt you lose C.J. Carr. He's just coming into this program. I don't know what the other two would think, but, I mean, I think Drew Pine was different last year. He started those games, and he didn't want to give back the starting job. He didn't want to become a backup again. So I totally understood him walking out the door, and it felt like Tyler Buckner needed a fresh start. So those are different. I don't think any of these guys need a fresh start. It's just whether they say, you know what, if I can start somewhere else, I'm going to do that, and I don't think anyone would would blame them in the least bit. But there's no doubt, dipping your toe into the portal, you would assume you're probably going to lose one of those guys. I honestly think that – I think that they there, there's a world in which they all stay. and. I'm speaking on behalf of Steve Angeli here when I say he's only going to be a junior. So I don't know if he has this sense of entitlement yet. And I'm not going to say Drew Pine had that. Drew Pine just knew that he wasn't going to start here, so he had to go somewhere else. But that extra year that Pine had over Angeli, Pine was a junior. Angeli is a sophomore right now. By the time that Pine had done this three times of I'm not the guy, I'm not the guy, I, I need an injury to be the guy, he's like, I'm not doing this a fourth time. And Jelly, he's you know backing up Drew Pine, who, who had been here for those three years as a true freshman. He, he had no sense of entitlement. He was like, I should not be starting right now. Steve Jelly was not thinking that last year. He was just like, holy crap, I'm one injury away from having to actually go in there. Let, let me focus on practicing and, and being prepared for that. This year, 
dude, he's backing up Sam freaking Hartman. He's got no sense of entitlement. He's like, I'm going to do this thing and, and keep preparing. If a guy does come in this offseason, he's there's going to be a little bit of him that's like, ah, eh, you know what? I could have been the guy next year, but it's not going to hurt to play this out one more time, go through yeah. it again. And then next year, that like we were saying, 2025 could be the year when they just roll with what they got. At that point, Steve Angeli would be the oldest. It would be his job to lose. There, there's three other guys that are coming up and really trying to steal it from him and, and could very well do so. But I think there is a world in which Steve Angeli, Mike Singer's delight, stays here for four years, even if he only starts, I don't know, less than a handful of games. That There's a, there's a world in which he stays here for four years. Let me close out the segment with this question to you, my Hey Horka question. Now, this is okay. totally hypothetical by the name I'm going to use. But let's say you had a coach with two decades worth of coaching experience as your offensive coordinator. Let's say Steve Spurrier magically is the offensive coordinator. Okay. Would you feel more comfortable with a veteran offensive coordinator and sticking with the guys you have on the roster? Mm-hmm. Or does the fact that you will have a second-year offensive coordinator and play caller in place – does that lead you to possibly want to go get a veteran guy to team up with, I don't want to call it an experience, but a guy that is going into his second year as a coordinator? Does that matter? Of course. Absolutely. Okay. If Jared Parker is Notre Dame's offensive coordinator next year, which to me, barring something no. very, very bad happening in the next three games, he will be, then yeah, Notre Dame's going to have a transfer portal quarterback. They're going to. And I mean, I'm, Based on what Marcus Freeman said, what, three or four days ago on that Thursday when he said, yeah, all options are open, I immediately went, Notre Dame's going to get a portal quarterback this year. Okay. Is that how you reacted to that too, Darren? When he said that? That's what was going through my brain. (laughs) I know there's a history of Notre Dame videos where a guy runs off camera. Everything's fine. I'm just going to grab my pen. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So I think everybody watching this knows what you're talking about. In the meantime, how about some of those beautiful campus prints you've been showing us? Absolutely. If you guys don't know Barb Stevenson and her prints, um, I'm going to educate you today. And you're going to learn because we talked about Caldera Lab being a really good holiday gift. I mean, th- this is jackpot right here. This is on the money. So what you're looking at there, if you're watching the YouTube That is a print from Barb Stevenson. And again, if you're looking for that perfect holiday gift for the Notre Dame fan in your life or even yourself, Barb Stevenson art is your premier destination for stunning pen and ink limited edition prints of the University of Notre Dame. South Bend's own award-winning artist, Barb Stevenson, skillfully captures the essence and beauty of Notre Dame's campus through her intricate pen and ink prints, which she meticulously enhances with hand-painted metallic gold accents. You can see it on the dome there. You see it on the Basilica of the Sacred Heart. Even in the grotto, Touchdown Jesus, the gold accent makes each print unique and one of a kind. Now she has added two magnificent works to her fabulous collection of limited edition prints, all of which she is offering to our listeners at Blue and Gold. To purchase or view her art, visit her website at barbstevenson.com or call her at 574-210-8388. Order now for the holidays and receive free shipping. There's your deal. Anywhere in the continental United States, barbstevenson.com, 574-210-8388. Darren, I, I always never know what to get anybody for Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. 
but I do know that my family is like enough of you know, big enough sports fans enter the name, enter the team or, or the school in our case. You can't go wrong with stuff like that. I do know that. I don't know much about gift giving, but I do know you can't go wrong. If you have a Notre Dame fan in your life, they're going to open that on Christmas and, and say, thank you very much. This is going immediately on the wall. I want to look at this every single day. I guarantee every Notre Dame fan would love that to be under their Christmas tree. That is gorgeous, gorgeous work. Okay. Gosh, we're 55 minutes into the show. We've only done two questions. <laughs> we only have three on the docket today, right? We only have three yeah. on the docket. That, that's why I've trimmed it. We did. We used to, we started the season with five. Everyone that's an avid watcher of this, it got to a point where I said, the conversation's good enough. We let's, let's trim it down to three. And then if anyone puts anything in the chat, we'll talk about that too. Well, the portal question was going to take a little time since we had to answer yeah. five times. So, okay. Yeah. Here's our final Hey Horka question for today from Aerofan624. What's next for Notre Dame's Mike Mickens? Will he still be in South Bend in 2024? And by golly, as we do this show on Monday, his name was brought up in Marcus Freeman's press conference. Yeah, and I think Arrow Fan, who is a great member of the Blue and Gold community, probably asked that 90 minutes before that question was asked, maybe in the press conference. So great minds think alike there, him and can't remember who it was on the beat who asked that, but it was a good question because was it Eric? Yeah. We love Eric Hansen around here um, for sure. Great question. As usual. Uh, it, my, my answer to this is it, you might have the same answer there. I don't know. Do you like, I, I just don't know. His future is as bright as anyone's. And as much as Al Golden's future is in his own hands, I think Mike Mickens is as well. I'll answer it this way. When you sent me this question and this popped into my head, I go, I got to answer it this way. I don't have enough information sitting in an, an office with Mike Mickens to tell you if he's ready to go. All I'm going to say is this. I'm going to let every Irish fan figure this out themselves because he would be a first-time defensive coordinator. And are you okay with having a first-time coordinator once again? And if you are, then – if you want to support him, go ahead. But if you believe in coordinators at Notre Dame should have experience, then I would say Mike is one heck of a football coach. But I guess you would say you hope it's somewhere else first. But that's the risk you take. He could be absolutely a gold mine waiting to happen. You just don't know. So, again, I think it just depends on if you're a fan, do you want another first-time coordinator? I appreciate you for – giving the stance of we don't know because look i like mike mickens as much as the next guy i really do yeah. great recruiter great with the kids really good football coach coaching the corners i know that for sure and, and marcus freeman said today that uh, he made sure to point out that hey he's our passing game coordinator for the defense too it's not just the corners it's anytime someone tries to pass against us he's the guy that's kind of scheming against that so you got to be smart to do that he's an intelligent guy but I don't know if he's a good defensive coordinator. Like, I don't know why all these Notre Dame fans are on the message boards. They're on Twitter. They're He's got to be our next defensive coordinator. He's got to – Notre Dame has a really good one right now, and I think you want to keep that guy for as long as you can have him. We mentioned at the beginning of the show, I don't know how long that's going to be. Al Golden's future is in his own hands. But as for Mike Mickens 
defensive coordinator talk, I mean, Darren, we talk about this team, write about this team 24-7. Our lives are Notre Dame football. But I cannot confidently tell you right now that Mike Mickens would be a knock-it-out-of-the-park defensive coordinator. I just don't know. And that's what I wrote at blueandgold.com when I answered this question on the message board was it's another experiment if you go the Mike Mickens direction. And you're dealing with an experiment right now on offense with Jared Parker. Do you want to do that again on defense? I'm not sure because a year ago we're talking about Jared Parker as this awesome tight ends coach. He's doing everything right. Uh, the expectations get higher. The micros, the you know, the microscope is on you a little bit more. You feel like an ant frying under that thing if you're Jared Parker right now. I would hate for Mike Mickens to be in that situation. And I'm not saying he would be a bad defensive coordinator. I'm not. I don't know. But I don't know if he would be a good one, Darren. I just don't know. We don't know. Here's the good thing if you go that direction. And let me go back to Brian Kelly. When Tommy Reese became his offensive coordinator. Brian Kelly is an offensive coordinator. And in tough moments, even after year number one of Tommy, he could help him get yeah. through certain situations. Marcus Freeman is a defensive mind. I'm not sure how much he can help Jared Parker through the yeah. last month. He's a defensive guy. So if you bring on a first-time coordinator, at the very least, that's Marcus's meat and potatoes, and you feel like, he could help that individual much more compared to what we're dealing with on the offensive side at this particular time. Here's my devil's advocate, a little bit of pushback to that. I agree that he could, but I don't know if I want him to in year three. Brian Kelly was in year – when Tommy Reese was offensive coordinator, that was for the first time it was 2020, right? 2019, 2020? Yeah. Either way – Brian Kelly was about a decade into his Notre Dame career. Oh, by the way, he had already won a lot of games at Cincinnati. He had already won a lot of games at, at um, the directional uh, Michigan school. Where did he coach before he was at Cincinnati? He won Grand Valley State? Central Michigan. Grand Valley State? In yep. Central Michigan? Yep. Okay. So, yeah, I don't want Marcus Freeman to have to babysit the defensive coordinator in year three as a 40-year-old head coach. I need him all keyed in on the operation. If if Mike Mickens went the Jared Parker route and everything looked a little topsy-turvy and you know things were spinning a little bit too fast for him, the last thing that I would want for Marcus Freeman to have to do is spend more time there because I think he's still learning how to be a head coach. Game management. And, and I want and I want him game management, week to week CEO operation stuff like just being a head coach you shouldn't have to babysit your your court this is high level football darren you shouldn't have to be babysitting your your coordinators i i and especially if you're marcus freeman look brian kelly babysitting tommy reese that just makes sense brian kelly was 50 whatever years old tommy reese was young marcus freeman's a third year head coach if we're talking about 2024 i don't know if i want him basically being this team's defensive coordinator when things get rough. Let me throw this at you too, Tyler, and get your response. Because when Marcus became head coach, and even before this year, I still felt it was important for Marcus to have people around him that he had a relationship with. I think as a yeah. first-time head coach, 
I don't want to say buddies, that's not the right, but people that you've worked with and you trust. The further you get away from being a rookie head coach, I'm hoping you could expand your branches a little bit to whom you might want working for you. You don't necessarily want just a guy you've worked with that may think like you. It might be a situation where you want someone to come in and look at this and maybe take a side of the football a different direction. So I think it was important for him to bring in guys early on that he trusted, but year three is big around these parts for head coaches at Notre Dame. You go back through the history, year three tends to tell the story if this is going to work or if this is not going to work or if it's going to lead to a national championship. I mean, year three historically is massive in the careers of Notre Dame head coaches. So I would say in year three, I would hope and he would have an open mind and look maybe Mm -hmm. outside of his comfort zone just to see if there's something he might like. Now, he can settle for someone he's familiar with, but I would hope year three, maybe you expand your individuals you might be interested in. What did you think about him today kind of setting the Mike Mickens wheels in motion? Because I think that alerts other college programs around the country to Mike Mickens, I, I, you know, he remember last offseason, Darren, when he said, yeah, we had 10 guys get calls from NFL or other major colleges. Mike Mickens is going to get a lot of phone calls. And it's not just because of what Marcus Freeman said. Mike Mickens was going to get phone calls anyway, but it might be tougher to keep him now based on what Freeman said. I don't know if you if you view it that way, but my mind kind of went there. I got to admit when he threw in, oh, he's our passing game coordinator. That just forced me for my light bulb to go off like, ah, is he our defensive coordinator candidate if Al Golden leaves? That's the first thing I thought of. But you bring up a good point as well that maybe he's throwing the resume of Mike Mickens out there to give a guy that he respects and has had a long relationship with the opportunity to maybe do something bigger. Who knows? But can I – I don't know, again, how good Mike Mickens is going to be. He might be the second coming of pick your favorite great defensive coordinator. Yeah. But this is Notre Dame, and you should be able to get the best. And you got one of the best in Al Golden two years ago. And, Tyler, you should expect to be able to bring in a similar caliber guy to a place like this. This isn't Tulsa. This isn't Marshall. This is one of the premier places to get a job that can lead to bigger and better things. So I would absolutely agree with anyone that said Notre Dame should be looking to get the best because you know what? They should because this place is special and people want to work here. This is the toughest thing about coaching is yeah. you don't know until you know. You yeah. don't know until you know. And like you said, he it could be Mike Miggins. You mentioned how big year three is for Marcus Freeman. If Al Golden leaves and he needs a defensive coordinator, Mike Mickens might be the very best one. Yes. But you don't you don't know. You don't know that. And you're taking a chance on him. And if he's not, then the biggest year of your career is all of a sudden even bigger because you're having to overcome a guy that you thought was the guy, but not might not be the guy. That's on defense. Same thing might be true on offense. Like Jared Parker, you thought was the guy. Maybe he's not the guy. So these hires, man, it, that's why they make the big bucks, right, Darren? Like, 
they're in charge of a hundred kids, their, you know, futures and whatnot, but they're also in charge of making the right calls on who they work around in that office every single day. And it sounds like if given the chance to hire Mike Mickens, he would do it in a heartbeat. And that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. But, but if, if he's not the guy, then you made a mistake. Like it, but let's call it what it is. If, if Jared Parker ends up not fulfilling his duties here at Notre Dame and say, we're talking on October 30th, 2024 and Jared Parker is not Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, Jared Parker, great guy. Marcus Freeman loves you, but you can call that a miss, a mistake to hire him. That that's what it is. It's, you got to be truthfully and brutally honest sometimes in this profession. And Marcus Freeman would never call it a mistake, but deep down he knows, yeah, maybe I, I probably needed a different guy. That's just the reality. That's the truth. And it could be the same thing with Mike Mickens. We just, we just don't know. And yeah. it's, it's crazy. That's why we watch the intrigue of all this is, is always so interesting. Would you mind putting up Drew's last comment? Cause I just want to make yeah, a, which, a quick thought on what he said right here. This one right and, here. Yes. Because Mike yeah. Singer, our, our good friend, mentioned a few weeks ago he'd like to see Freeman be the defensive coordinator. Just for Drew's benefit and for people that are watching this, Mike is on my program every Tuesday talking Notre Dame football recruiting. And we actually talked about this maybe a month ago. And I just might push back to Mike on this is the fact a head coach, most of his game management decisions are on the offensive side of the football. I think it's a lot easier to be head coach, offensive coordinator, because in the flow of calling plays, you have fourth and two from the USC 42. You're going to make the decision whether you're going to go for it or not. And you have a good feel because you're calling the plays. I just don't like a head coach that's a defensive coordinator because he's working with his team on adjustments. And all of a sudden, hey, by the way, it's fourth and two from the 50. What do you want to do? Now, I'm simplifying a little bit, but you know where I'm going here. Most of these decisions are on offense. And when your defensive coordinator is in a huddle and something happens, you got to rely on someone else to make a decision or late the ball game, you know, a game management decision. I just think it's a lot harder for a defensive coordinator to do that. So I totally agree. And to kind of simplify what you were saying, a head coach needs to go out of his way, which you don't want to do within the confines of a game to oversee defensive operations more so than the offensive ones that are literally right in front of your face. Everyone's watching the game. If you don't call a timeout here or you don't go for it there, everyone remembers that a lot more than, oh, the other team went for it here and your defense didn't get it. Oh, well, you know, try to get it the next time. I totally agree with that. Um, BC (laughs) sends in a super chat. I didn't get the memo. Is Golden leaving? No, no. We live in the world of hypotheticals in – Sports media, though, so if he does leave, is Mike Mickens the guy? That's kind of the question that we're wrapping up this show with. Or, I mean, we brought up this golden thing, Darren, before even introducing uh, Mike Mickens into the chat. Like, we were talking about golden a couple weeks ago, and I was saying uh, he he might want to go pursue an NFL opportunity. And I even said it on today's show. There are 30 – how many teams are in the NFL these days? 32? I think there are 32 teams in the NFL that would benefit from Al Golden just holding the clipboard and putting a headset on, and you can give him whatever title. He's a smart enough guy that your football team's going to be helped. So his future is in his own hands. We'll say that for the fifth time today. He he can do whatever he wants in this profession. 
his agent will have a lot on his table. Yes. He'll have a lot of opportunities. Yep. Okay. Well, that's all the questions we have for this week. You want to call it a day? That's it, man. I got I got a World Series to prepare for here. <laughs> but I will be at the, the, the women's basketball exhibition, so I guess – I wish that thing tipped off at like six because then I could get home and not miss too much, but I'll probably be missing a few innings and I may or may not be streaming from the press box. You know, or may not. No, I totally get that. <laughs> Trust me. The number of hockey games I did with the Cardinals in the playoffs watching that I'm guilty as charged. So I totally get what you're saying. All right. Hey, thanks to all the folks who spent a part of their afternoon with us here on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel watching the latest installment of Hey Horka. And we'll be back next Monday at 3 o'clock to take a look back at the Clemson game. I guess we're working on the bye week? Yeah, I think we'll we'll do a show next Monday for sure. Okay. I didn't mean to put work on your table. I guess I should no. have asked. <laughs> I'm, at, I'm going to a wedding in Houston, the latter hat or like – on the bye week itself on November 11th or whatever that is. So I'll be taking off the Friday before the bye week, but the Monday we got, we got Notre Dame Clemson to talk about baby. So we'll do it. Very good. All right, folks, we'll see you all next week at 3 PM Eastern time on the blue and gold YouTube channel with the latest installment of Hey Hork until then go Irish.